for letting me come. Not that you had anything to do with it, um, but uh, here I am, and God is good. Um, we're going to read from Galatians chapter 5. So if you've got Bibles, we'll go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Um, and I'm going I'm, I'm to talk about walking in the Spirit. Um, and I just when I preach, I, I always think, isn't it an amazing privilege that we get to read God's Word and for me to be able to share God's Word? And I don't ever want to get in the way of it. Like, I just want God's word to, to come out. So we're just going to go through this, this passage from Galatians 5, 16 to 26 and just have a look at some different dynamics that uh, Paul is saying really to the church in Galatia, which I think he's saying to a, a worldwide of Christians about uh, what's going on and the battles that we face and, uh, and how we can get through those battles. So let's read the passage of scripture and uh, then I'll begin to talk about it a bit. So Galatians 5, verses 16 to 26. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so you do not know what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, or debauchery, I'm not sure how you say that one, um, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and, ev- uh, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I, I'll, I'll read it in a second, but it's interesting that that Paul says, I've actually told you this stuff before and I'm actually going to say it again. There are times where we need to continually hear the same word so it gets into who we are and we begin to live the way that God's called us to live. And so here's Paul saying, I've said this, but I'm saying it again. And so you might have heard this passage of scripture a lot of times, but I think it's a passage that we need to hear again, over and over again. So let's, let's continue in verse 20, uh, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit... Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So let's just pray. Father, again, uh, we just want your spirit to speak to us through this word. We want your spirit to, to just grow us to be more like you. Uh, and a world, Father, just wants to continually take us away from that. But we ask this morning that we would just be open to receive from you again in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So let's just read again uh, just the first few verses, Galatians uh, 5, 16 to 18. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so you do not know what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. We, we live in this spiritual battle, don't we? And, and we know, not that everyone would describe it as a spiritual battle because they don't understand the, the spiritual nature of, of, uh, of God and, and our world, but, but we're in this spiritual battle, good and evil, right and wrong, and it's facing us all the time. 
And to, sometimes we, we step into making wrong decisions and we know that it's wrong. And why do we know that it's wrong? Because there is a spirit that convicts us of things when we do them wrong. Right? And so this battle is happening. We can see it in our world. It's, it's in, in our governments. It's in when people are struggling for power. It's in um, uh, the, the discord between rich and poor and, and those that are living in extreme poverty and those living in extreme wealth. There's this battle spiritually between good and evil going on and we can't escape it. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you do something wrong, do you have this voice in your head saying, I, I know that wasn't right? Like you get angry or you say something or you do something. And for me, that's a spirit of God that's in us that actually says, okay, 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 you've overstepped the mark now. You're actually going into some areas and evil has actually come and actually tempted you to go somewhere where you weren't supposed to go and this voice. And if we keep going, and I'll talk about this in a little while more and a little later, but a little bit more in a little while. Did I get that out right? <laughs> but if we continue to go and and deny the spirit what is speaking to us to live spiritually, then our lives really get messed up, don't they? And we see a world that is messed up because of this spiritual battle and where they're placing their allegiance, either with evil or with the spirit of God. And, and, and that's what Paul's talking about here. And, and he says that the two can't coexist. You can't live in the spiritual, but you can't live in the natural, in the, in the flesh either. And there's this battle within and there's this battle in our world between these two things going on, really between the spirit of God and Satan and the power of evil. And Paul is just saying, we live in this battle all the time. And then he goes on in verse 9 and he says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy and drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is a, a list but it's, it's not an exhaustive list. All right, he says, and the like. And so there are, there are other sinful natures, other ways of the flesh that Paul is saying about. But he has a list here. And it's interesting that um, most of these lists have to do with us and other people, like how we respond to others, how we respond um, with people. So he talks about um, sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery, and then hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, uh, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. So they're, they're all activities where it's us and others, right? Us and our world. And, and there are things that are destroying relationships, how we treat people, how we sexually idolise different things, how we move around. And so there's all of these things. But there's two in this list that have more to do with us and God, and that's idolatry and witchcraft. And it's, it's interesting. Now, they, they have effects on people, but it's interesting that idolatry and witchcraft are more focused in the spiritual between us and God and, and, and who we worship. Idolatry is is setting something up in your heart that takes place of God. Setting something up in your heart that takes place with God. Uh, this could be your family or your job or your money. It could be a hobby or it could be sport. It could be a way of life that you've entered into. It may not look like a shrine, but your heart bows down to it. Your heart gives it supremacy, 
whatever that would be, and it's something other than God and our world. And we do this all the time. We're tempted to move into this all the time where we place someone or something above God and that's what we worship. That's what our hearts desires more than anything else. And we fall into it and there's this battle going on between who we worship, idolatry. It's a massive thing in our world right now. Idolatry, is, well, it's always been massive in our world. That's why Paul wrote about it 2,000 years ago, and it's always been a huge thing. It's our affections are not towards God, but towards something else. And we might believe in God and we might um, worship God, but, but ultimately most of our life desires something else, focuses on something else. And Paul says, this is a, this is a, a massive trap. Idolatry is in essence, what we worship and what we give most of our attention to. So is a job wrong or is a family and giving allegiance to a family wrong or is a hobby or, or having money, are those things wrong? No, they're not wrong at all. They're not bad in and of themselves. That It's only when they replace God that they become wrong. And that's the trap in our world. God's created so much that is good for us, but then we place what God's given us and we place it above God. And we begin to worship that. And, and most of our world isn't saying we're going to worship these things, but in actual fact, that's what they do worship. They might worship a sport or they might worship their job or they might worship their family. And, and so often we begin very subtly, Satan tempts us to put these above God. And, and we need to be really careful about that. And Paul warns us about that. And, and when people drift away from church and away from worship, away from the people of God, it's subtly putting something else in the place of God. And, and people will say, oh, I still believe in God. Yes, you do. But you're, you're subtly moving something else more important than the worship of God with God's people. And, and that's a trap, I think, because slowly then people drift away and the other things just take precedence. And here's the tough thing that Paul says at the end of this I warned you, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's that's a massive warning for us, isn't it? That if we begin to live that that the natural desires, the flesh, if we begin to put that precedent over God, then we aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now I don't think what Paul is saying that if we give in to a temptation to do these things and we do sin, but then we repent of that sin, I um I don't think Paul's saying you won't inherit the God if you give in to some temptations, but I think when we live that as a lifestyle is when we then step away from the worship of God and we worship something else. That then takes away. We make the choice not to live in the inheritance. Does that make sense? I was thinking about this in regards to when we sin... And we talk about confession of sin, don't we? And we have communion. Do you guys do communion? I'm glad you do that. So we have this confession of sin. And unconfessed sin is a really dangerous thing because um, it's not like we confess our sin to receive forgiveness. We've already received forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross and he took the sin of the world upon the cross, right? So that's already a done deal. You have been forgiven. Your sin has been dealt with. We don't keep putting Jesus back on the cross to take our sins again. He's already done that. Our confession of sin is a recognition that we do not want to keep doing uh, the things that God doesn't want us to do, that we want to keep, we don't 
don't want to keep giving in to the natural desires of our flesh. We want to live in the spirit. And a confession of sin is that desire of saying, God, we're sorry. This isn't who we want to be. This isn't how we want to live. So we confess this sin. And the interesting nature is that um, when we don't confess our sin, it leads, it progresses. Right? That's why the confession is so important, not to receive the forgiveness so that it doesn't lead us away from God. Does that make sense? So unconfessed sin really then goes into a continued behaviour. So if we don't confess our sin, then we probably are going to continue with that behaviour. And if we continue with that behaviour, that behaviour then becomes an acceptable behaviour. And then as we accept it ourselves, those around us begin to accept it as just a behaviour that's okay. We might know it's wrong, but we just continue with that behaviour because everybody's doing it now. It's just acceptable. And if we continue with the acceptable behaviour, then it becomes normalised behaviour. So unconfessed sin has this way of growing that actually then takes us completely away from living our life the way that God wants us to live. It begins with sin but then it's unconfessed and then it just grows to be actually um, just a normal way of life and, and then it just becomes accepted and it's just, then it's not sin anymore and we live in a world now where what is sin and the way that God doesn't want us to live is just normalised behaviour and it's accepted as okay now when the scriptures are very clear that it's actually taking us away from God and his ways. And we can see that in our world in a whole range of activities now where sin is now normalised. And that's the desires of these flesh. And Paul says, when we begin to live like that, we will not inherit the kingdom of God because we will replace God with another God, with another way, with another activity. So um, the flesh really is evil, Satan tempting us always away from the purposes of God. That's the, the flesh. But calls on, Paul goes on to say that there is this battle with the, our flesh, but then there is this fruit of the spirit. And this is the spiritual versus the natural. So Galatians uh, 5.22 says, but the fruit of the spirit, not the natural desires, but the fruit of the spirit, the spirit of God, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There is no power that natural desires cannot defeat those things. They're a spiritual thing. They are of God. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. The fruit of the Spirit is totally opposite to the nature of the flesh. They're totally opposed to each other. The nature of the flesh wants to totally take us away from the presence of God and the fruit of the Spirit wants to take us totally into the presence of God. See, the desires of the flesh is 100% about us. It's about self. The desires of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, is 100% about God and others. 100%. Now, the, the interesting thing here is there's just one fruit. Like the fruit of the spirit is one fruit. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. It's just one fruit. But some people say, you know what, I, I, I like the love and the joy bit of this, but kindness and, uh, and patience, I don't need that. 
right? I'm not, I'm not good at that. I'll just take a couple of these and I'll let the rest go. But it's one fruit. It's one nature. It's one characteristic of God. It's his spirit. And so when the spirit of God comes upon us, that nature comes upon us. The nature of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. It's that nature that comes upon us. The presence of God comes upon us and lives in us. It's not like we can pick and choose anymore. Now, sure, we probably need to pray about some we're not doing too well in and we need to ask God to continually grow because at various times we actually respond differently to these. But the spirit of God that lives in us is that nature. You can't pick and choose the nature of God. So I think that's when the Satan, when the, the Spirit of God sometimes speak to us and saying, hey, hey, um, Matt, can you just be a little more patient with your kids, please? Amen. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I, I just thought that was a word from the Lord for right now, right? Because, because the patience isn't going so well. You know, the kindness and the love and the joy is all there. And sometimes the Spirit just says, hey, 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 I'm in you, but you're not doing too well. There's a natural stuff starting to come in here a little bit. And we just, the Spirit keeps bringing us back to the characteristic and the nature of the Spirit all the time because the Spirit's living in us and is it battling. And so I love the idea that the Spirit fights for us. So when, when the, the natures of our flesh, when the world, when evil starts to tempt us, the Spirit fights for us. The Spirit reminds us not to go that way because this is who we are. This is how we live. This is the characteristic. Christ has come into us now and so we're different now. We aren't the same as we were. We're, our focus is different now. And, and I love the idea that the Spirit battles for me. The Spirit that lives in me fights for me. Fights against the nature of our world. That's why I think church is so important because... This fight is easier with each other because the spirit in you actually sometimes will also speak to me and vice versa. And it just helps us to be all that God created us to be. And, and even when we're, sorry, I forgot your name. Virginia. Virginia, okay. So even Virginia this morning, she said, I love coming here because it's real. Right? I think that's what you said. Was it real? I think that was the word. And, and I was just thinking about that. So often in churches now, and I'm not trying to bag churches because God's in every church, but so often we, the spirit of the world is starting to creep into churches in how we look and how we behave. And, you know, image is so important. And you know what I mean? And, and we need to be real because that's a battle that's creeping into our church now. I won't preach from the word. I'll preach more of a social gospel because that'll be more acceptable now. And, and we need to be very careful about that because that battle is so strong and so tempting for people to hear a pleasant gospel rather than a gospel that is true and convicting some of the time. And so that, that battle is so good, but that fruit in us, the spirit in us, fights for us and it helps us to fight for each other. And, and then it goes on, the last part of this goes on, uh, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Those who belong to Christ have, been cruci have crucified the sinful nature. It's like when we come into this amazing relationship with Jesus Christ, 
that battle, although still there, isn't so strong. Temptation is always still going to come our way. We live in the world, right? But I love the idea that that's been crucified with Christ. He's taken that. And so that when the Spirit of God comes upon you, that sinful nature, that desires of the flesh, that's actually been crucified with Christ. It doesn't have power over us anymore. Temptations will come, but the power in us is greater than the power in our world, right? And so we need to actually continually walk in step with the Spirit and rely on that power that is in us when these battles arise all the time. And these battles arise in us all the time. We have to allow the Spirit to control and keep our heart close to God because having our heart close to God is so important for this continued relationship. And so how do we keep our heart close to God? How do we continue to walk in the Spirit and not allow the nature of flesh to begin to dominate, which it does? What are some practices? Because I've been in church for a long time, right? And so we were, I used to be a youth pastor and you'd have all these kids come along and they'd be on fire for God and then all of a sudden they'd just drift away. And I've seen this in churches all the time where people just start to drift away. What, what stops us from drifting away? What keeps us close with God? How do we keep walking in this spirit and so the natural doesn't actually then start to dominate? Well, it's interesting. In 1 Peter, he talks about this. In 1 Peter, sorry, in 2 Peter 1.4. In 2 Peter 1.4, it says this. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. It's, it's a great verse of scripture. 2 Peter 1.4 Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. The promises of God as we remain in the promises and in the word of God and those promises, as we remain in them, it keeps us, Peter says, in the spiritual. And it helps us to resist the temptation of evil. The word of God is so important for us to keep walking in the spirit. The word of God is crucial for us to keep walking in in the spirit. The Bible is full of promises and reading scripture I think every day is crucial for us. So I've journaled, I can remember um, Matt a long time ago when when you were doing some pastoring, remember? And, uh, and you used to have these journals and you'd read four or five chapters a day and then you'd write some notes about it and I think your record, I don't know, you were, you were having a competition with someone and to see who would keep going right. And, and I, that actually encouraged me because you kept talking about this all the time. And so I started journaling and I read scriptures every day. And I have to tell you, as we read the scriptures every day, the battle is so much easier because we're living on the word and the promises of God every day. We're actually reading his word and we step out into a world. We're stepping out in the promises of God every single day. And Peter says it's the promises of God. It's his word that actually help us in this battle. 
every day. To keep walking in the spirit. The spirit is in us, but the word actually sustains us to keep walking in that and living in that every day. The health of the spirit of God is in you. And you living in that spirit and in, that, in the promises of God, I have to tell you, is the most important thing in your life. It's the most important thing because as you walk in the spirit, being led by the word of God, the promises of God, you actually then begin to influence those that you love. And you actually influence a world that is walking away. And so when, when pastors talk about keep reading the word, keep getting into the word, we say it for your benefit. Because this battle is strong. You know the battle's strong, isn't it? The, the desires of the flesh and the spirit, it's a battle all the time. But as we step into the word, it helps us in that fight. It helps us to keep walking in the spirit of God. And so when we ask you to read scripture, it's, it's an important thing. Now on your seats, you would have, um, uh, there's these bits of cardboard. And, and I just wrote down some um, passages of scripture, some promises of God. All right? And I just... I thought I would give them to you and you can take them away. And, but I thought I'd just read them quickly. There's a few there, but just read them quickly. And, and I, I believe that one of these passages, one of these promises is for you today. I believe that one of these will be, Lord, this is the promise I need today. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. I, I really, I put this one first because we right now are living in a world of fear. An incredible world of fear. And this is a promise that we do not need to live in a world of fear. Why? Because God is with us. That's his promise. He will strengthen us. Despite a world of fear, despite a pandemic, despite what's going on. What an amazing promise for us in our world right now. John 14.1 So do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Romans 8.38 and 39 For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any power, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus the Lord. What an amazing promise. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Someone needs to hold on to that. Proverbs 3, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Like when we submit to God, he will make our path straight. He will show us the way to go. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about any, anything, but in every situation, by prayer and, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Someone needs that today. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you. What a great promise that He's going to give us rest. John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid that. That promise again that we don't need to be fearful of a troubled world. Because we've got his peace. Psalm 55, 22. Cast all your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Isn't that an awesome promise of God? 
He will never let the righteous be shaken. He will never do that. That's the Spirit of God living in us. 1 Peter 5.7 Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you're feeling anxious about anything, just give it to God. He cares for you. Let him deal with your anxiety. He'll get you through that. Psalm 23.4 Even though I walk through the, valley, the, through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When we live in this spiritual battle, 